Hello and welcome to Family Room Discussions, where you invite me, Dalton Anderson, to your Come Follow Me study, and we discuss ideas, questions, and insights to the week's lesson. Let me be clear, I am not a church historian or a scripture scholar. I am your average saint trying to build my faith in Christ and deepen my testimony of the gospel and the scriptures, and I have found that by discussing Come Follow Me with others, it helps me to do just that. My sincere hope is that for those struggling to study Come Follow Me for whatever reason, maybe because you're single and you don't have others to study with, or like me, your kids are still too young to understand English, or really for any other reason, that you will allow me to join your family for about 30 minutes to help with that gospel dialogue. With that, let's start this family room discussion. Brothers and sisters, family and friends, this is episode 10, following along with Lesson 10, 2 Nephi, chapters 31 to 33. And tonight, we got a special treat. I am joined by some special guests. First, I have... I'm Ashley. I'm Dalton's sister. I'm Alex, Dalton's brother-in-law. And I'm Alexis, Dalton's wife. And they were gracious enough to join me tonight. I had invited them to come help me out on this podcast. (laughs) He kind of forced us. Uh, Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) And they were gracious enough to accept my force. So, uh, as we begin, I want to dive in and say the title stuck out to me this week. It says, this is the way. Speaking of the force. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, for those of you that watch The Mandalorian on Disney+, Plus, then you'll understand this reference. And if not, then go watch The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. It's fantastic. Uh, the other thing I want to say is, if you can tell I don't have a voice, the reason is that Lex and I just got back from uh, Bryce, as well as Richfield, because the game was in Richfield, but... Quaden, Tabs Lex's brother. Uh, they just won state. You have anything to say about that? Anything exciting? Yeah, state basketball. Thank you. Good call. That was awesome. We were yelling the whole game. Went into overtime and they won by buzzer beater. That was awesome. So I don't have a voice because of that. Uh, it was like three days of of me just constantly screaming and uh, yeah, it's gone now. So that's why I sound like ter- like just awful. But it's great to have other people's voices so that people don't need to listen to me the whole time, you know? Yeah. We came here because we didn't cheer. <laughs> Just joking. Quaden, we love you. That's right. So congrats once again to Quaden. Super proud of you. Um, all right. With that, with that, let's jump into the lesson. And Lex, will you start off by reading the chapter intro for us? Yeah. Among Nephi's last recorded words, we find this declaration. The Lord commanded me and I must obey. This seems like a fitting summary of Nephi's life. He sought the will of the Lord and courageously strived to obey it, whether that meant risking his life to get the brass plates from Laban, building a boat and crossing the sea, or faithfully teaching the doctrine of Christ with plainness and power. Nephi could speak persuasively of the need to press forward with a steadfastness in Christ, of following the straight and narrow path which leads to eternal life, because that is the path he followed. He knew by experience that this path, through though demanding at times, is also joyful, and that there is none other way nor name given under heaven whereby man can be saved in the kingdom of God. Thank you. I love I love that part where it says Nephi could speak persuasively, um, and and because I, and I've thought about this a lot, and I feel like it keeps harking back to this, but like because he continuously followed the path of Christ, like that's where the persuasion came from his his ability to have that power. Like it would be tough to not take his example of I mean he he had been leading his people but obviously he'd been leading them in righteousness the whole time and it's a lot easier to follow someone who's living what they preach obviously 
And so I, I love this continuous theme of he was able to do it persuasively because he was living it. Um, so that's something that I thought about. But what about y'all? Anything stick out there? I had the same, the same thought um, as I studied this, just how Nephi really was consistent and he was, he was a, such a good example of, of following Christ so that he's able to make those. But I really like the last part. I said, because it is the path that he followed. That's the reason why he could do what he did. And I love that like he's able to teach everything with plainness and power. And because he was... Well, when I read this section, I actually thought just like the summary of Nephi's life because of all the things that he did. Um, that I had a thought like with my own life, what kind of summary are people going to say for me? Are they going to say that I courageously strive to obey the, the commandments of the Lord? Just stuff like that. So like Nephi left behind a really good legacy. And so that stood out to me. I like it. Anyone else? Not yet. You're good. So one more thing I wanted to say about just that whole, that was, um, as I was pondering about, cause I, cause I want to, that's something I want. I want to be persuasive. Like when I get up to bear my testimony, I really do wish it would affect people. Not because the point of bearing testimony is necessarily to, you know, affect people. Um, I mean, at least I think, I think when you get up to bear your testimony at church, it should be because you're, you're bearing your declaration to the Lord, not necessarily for other people. But I still would love, because I've, I've had people who get up there and they affect me, and I want to be able to affect other people that way for good. And so I was thinking about just how did, like, how did Nephi do it and how can I do it? And something I just thought about is that integrity leads to the gift of persuasion. So the gift of integrity can help you get the gift of persuasion. If you're all, obviously, if you're living in a, like a life full of integrity, then that's part of the key, I think, that Nephi figured out. Um, so that's just something I thought. All right. So let's move on. In the first section, ideas for personal scripture study. Alex, will you read the first chunk? Yeah. <clears throat> Jesus Christ and his doctrine are the only way to eternal life. If you had to summarize the path to eternal life in just a few words, what would you say? Nephi, with his characteristics, plainness, and simplicity, did it this way. Faith in Christ, repentance, baptism, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, and enduring to the end. After you study Nephi's teachings in 2 Nephi 31 and 32, consider how you would explain them to someone in your own words. Think about how living these teachings had blessed, has blessed your life, has blessed you. You might consider Nephi's teachings in 2 Nephi 31, 18 through 20 and evaluate your own efforts to press forward along the gospel path. Perfect. Um, what stands, anything stand out to anyone or thoughts you had from that? Yeah. Something that stood out to me was I kind of paused at that first part and, you know, what would you say? And I thought about it. And I'd, I hadn't read on at that point, and then I was like, oh, I would share the gospel of Christ, and, which is, you know, that next section, faith in Christ, repentance, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, and enduring to the end. Um, and then I really liked what it put it at the end. It, you know, it kind of summarized it back up and was saying, okay, now how would you say that in your own words? And that's just something I've been thinking about is how would I say that in my own words, and how would I actually share that with somebody because yeah that's the first thing that comes to my mind but I don't know if that's necessarily how we go about sharing it I'd probably start with the blessings that those things have brought me instead of you know 
this is, you know, step one, two, and three, four, five, yeah. you know. No, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, I think the thing that sticks out to me was about how it says Nephi with his characteristic plainness and simplicity. Like I love, I love his example, right? And I and in previous lessons I've said that before, but it just continues to stick out to me of like, like he's just a good teacher. He's a good teacher because he just he breaks it down simple. And um, I remember I was in uh, brother, I think is it brother Bot's class or boy? No, who was the brother Boyer? No, who was the mission mm-hmm. prep teacher at BYU? Oh, I'm not remember? sure. Yeah, there's this mission prep teacher at BYU anyway, back before I left on my mission that I took his class. And I just remember he'd asked the question to the class. And it's a bunch of, and this was before the age changed too. So you got a bunch of freshmen who are all 18, 19. And he asked the question, like, what is the gospel? And it's like a class of 200 people. And all of us sat there like, I don't know. (laughs) Like, right. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I don't even know what the gospel is. Yeah. Like, how do, I'm supposed to teach this. And then he's like, you guys do know what it is. He's like, do you know what the fourth article of faith is? And I was like, that's the gospel? Like, yeah. <clears throat> right? But, and and I love how Nephi breaks it down super, like, like just like that, where he's like, it's faith, repentance, baptism. And uh, I think, at least growing up, we all know those things. But then when I was a 19-year-old and asked the question, what's the gospel? I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know. Yeah. And it's like, yes, you do know. It's simple. And so I love that about Nephi and I love, uh, I, I think that that's something that we need to do better of teaching our kids. It's like they know this stuff, but we don't want them 19 to be like, oh, I what's don't know. What's the gospel? Right, yeah. Like, yeah. And especially as we're sending them out on missions and then it's like, I have no idea. Yeah. And it actually, too, reminds me of Preach My Gospel, right? When it talks about teaching, it talks about how you need to simplify and intensify. Mm-hmm. And if you're able to do that, like, you know you know something well and have mastered a topic if you're able to teach it so simply that a child could understand it. Totally. And that that's exactly how Nephi teaches and how he writes, right? Like, again, yeah. he lays it out into a few steps. And just makes it very simple, very clear. And it's not, like, there is no confusion there, right? So in terms of why he's so persuasive, I think that's one of the tips, right, to take away is being simple, plain, clear. Um, I mean, that's able to convince us because we understand it, right? Totally. And actually, you bring up in uh, 2 Nephi chapter 31, verse 3 talks about how it says for my soul delighteth in plainness for after this manner doth the lord god work among the children of men and i link that back to what you just said in preach my gospel chapter 10 um it says it is true intelligence for a man to take a subject that is mysterious and great in itself and to unfold it and simplify it so that a child can understand it and that was from president john taylor and so just like what you were saying like and I think for me, I know when I don't really know something, when I keep circling around something, I can't just like, if someone asks me a question and I'm like, oh, I totally know what that is. And then I like circle around to get to it. Then I'm like, oh, I guess I don't really know that much of right. what it is. Right. But when you can just say like exactly what that is, that's when I'm confident. And I'm like, oh, I definitely know what I'm talking about here. Right. Well, and also, I mean, I think about it as how Heavenly Father speaks to us. How frustrating would it be if he spoke to us in a complex manner that we just could not decipher, right? Oh, yeah. Like already, sometimes revelation is a little bit foggy and it's hard to 
really understand sometimes what he's trying to communicate with us. Mm -hmm. But on top of that, if he wasn't able to have a perfect knowledge and explain clearly, right, teachings or different principles that he's trying to help us understand, like I just think about how frustrating that would be, right? So knowledge is a big part in being able to explain with plainness and simplicity. Yeah, very true. Man, and like what blows my mind is how with as you're talking about revelation how we all receive revelation super different and yet we're all able to understand the messages that are being given to us like god has to be able to communicate to each of us the way we need it and we're all unique and yet he does that right and right and i mean right now lex and i have two kids right and both of them even though maggie's there i mean they're both super young but they both, I can already tell, have different personalities. They have different ways that they like to do things or how we talk to them. And God has, you know, countless, numerous children. He does it for all of us. It just blows my mind that he, he can speak to us simply and the way that we can actually receive it. Right. I just, I just think that's cool. Um, Ashley, will you read the next chunk? Yeah, sorry. Let me... I just lost it. No, you're totally fine. It's the second Nephi chapter thirty one, verse four to thirteen. Here, I'm still in Alex's phone. That sounds good. <laughs> um okay, right here. Jesus Christ sets the perfect example of obedience when he was baptized. Whether your baptism happened yesterday or eighty years ago, it was a pivotal moment. You entered a lifelong covenant to follow Jesus Christ. Think about your baptism as you read about the Savior's baptism in Second Nephi thirty one, four through thirteen. Why was the Savior baptized? How are the reasons he was baptized similar to the reasons you were baptized? What are you doing today to continue following the Savior's example of obedience? Um, anyone have thoughts on that? Something that I thought about, just that question, that that's what stuck out to me. Why was the Savior baptized? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm in, a, I'm in BYU right now in an ethics class. And something that we're talking about is virtue ethics. And the two ways to develop virtue ethics is, number one, through a life long or a long life of experiencing something yourself, right? And having to go through all these different trials, different experiences, so that you personally have gained those experiences and wisdom. Or the second thing is to watch someone and find an example who has done those things and learn from them, right? And actually, so Alex and I are primary teachers in our ward right now. And, you know, I I don't have a lot of experiences working with little kids, right? I didn't have any younger siblings growing up. We don't have kids yet. So right now, I'm just trying to soak up like a sponge watching other people, how they communicate and how they interact with children, right? And we just barely got a new primary president called. And I mean, I just, I picked up so much from watching how she communicated with the kids today, right? We all come in the class and she goes through, she shakes everyone's hand, calls them by name. Hello, brother Tom and hello, brother, (laughs) right? Shakes every single one of their hands and said, it's nice to fill of your spirit today. And the kids immediately, she had their attention, right? And just how she demanded respect and it was through love, right? And through knowing them and how she was able to interact with the kids. That was something that like, I would not have been able to, I mean, maybe I can pick that up, you know, again, through living it myself, 
but how nice is it to be able to have someone who I can look at and tangibly say that's that's what that me- like that's what love is right? right like that is what that's how Christ would have handled it if he would have walked into this room right he would have yeah. sat every kid down called them by name looked at them in the eye shook their hand right or given them a hug so that question right why was the savior baptized i mean to be able to have someone to physically tangibly look at and say oh first of all this is how we're supposed to be baptized right like by immersion but that's how, right? Mm-hmm. To actually see the example and tangibly figure out how we should be baptized. But also just to be able to have someone to look at and say, you know what? Like if this man was perfect, every single little thing that he did, we're able to take something from, mm-hmm. right? And maybe it's different for all of us, right? I think different phases of our lives, we pick up different things in the scriptures and through his example. But I mean, that's what stands out to me in that section is just being able to have him as an example, I think is way more powerful than sometimes we just, we look at it, right? Yeah. Like he was baptized literally to show us and to be that example because how else would we know? Totally. I love the um, the scripture, at verse five in chapter 31, where it says, and now if the Lamb of God, he being holy, should have need to be baptized by water to, to fulfill all righteousness, Oh, then how much more need have we being unholy to be baptized yet even by water? I just can like imagine Nephi just saying that's like, oh, how much more we need to be baptized if the Savior himself needed to do it. So I just love even just like how Nephi, I feel like he expresses himself and his thoughts in that verse. And I feel like my thoughts are the same. of just like, oh, how much more need we to be baptized? I just, I really love that how he says it. For sure. Something that I always think about when it comes to this chapter in the Book of Mormon is, you know, as a missionary, we're always, the, the invitation is, will you follow the, follow the example of Jesus Christ and be baptized? Mm-hmm. You know, and I always thought about that on my mission is, and how am I following that example of Jesus Christ? And something that I always turn to is, you know, I have already made that commitment. I've already been baptized. And I follow the Savior, but constantly I have to go back and remember what are the those promises that I made at that moment, you know. And I, in these chapters, he just he says exactly what we should be doing, you know, poor, caring for the poor, the sick, mm-hmm. and the needy, you know, and helping those who are in need. And I'm always constantly checking myself and saying, okay, am I following that example of what the Savior set, and am I? doing those things that I've promised the Savior I would do. And I, I always find that to be so powerful for me because sometimes I catch myself not doing those things. I, uh, <clears throat> I think what I, th- I just, like, I don't, it just keeps sticking out to me of, of how Jesus Christ set the example of obedience, right, when he was baptized. But, like, it wasn't just his baptism, right? Like, his entire life was marked by obedience and I like that is the way and I think of how like if I could be perfectly obedient obviously I could be I'd be following the Savior's example but then I think how tough it like and maybe it's not that tough but it feels that tough to be perfectly obedient all the time and how he like that's an insane amount of pressure he had just constantly to be perfect and then and, and, and we know he was. I feel like, obviously, it's 
I mean, as a missionary, right, this is a huge thing we use of, like, like you said, that was perfect, of Jesus Christ was obedient and was baptized. How much more do we need it? But I'm like, but seriously, he didn't need baptism except that it was a commandment. So he did need baptism because it was a commandment. Mm -hmm. So to be obedient, right, to fulfill the ends of the law. Um, But then when you really look at it, it's like, oh, we like, yeah, how much more do we need it then? Because it wasn't doing anything of the cleansing part for him. He didn't need to be cleansed. He's already perfect. So uh, if he if he wasn't baptized, then obviously he wasn't being obedient. So it's that part of it. But I just think of <clears throat> it's that part about like he was the example because he was perfectly obedient. And that's the key element is just be constantly obedient. Um, and then Ash, there's a, another little chunk there. Oh, yeah. The ordinance of the sacrament is a weekly opportunity for you to recommit to following Jesus Christ. The next time you partake of the sacrament, consider reading 2 Nephi 31.13 and pondering your determination to follow the Son with full purpose of heart and your willingness to take upon you the name of Christ. And I, I just have a question for, for well, anyone really, but when you're taking the sacrament, is there anything you do special, like to to really be thinking about your recommitment. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I, that, that is my question. I don't know if that makes sense, but you know what I'm saying? Like, what do you guys do to help recommit yourself and recognize that that is a, an opportunity to do so? Yeah. I, I think for me, and this is, this is how I do it, and, mm-hmm. and I don't feel like this is a set way, but for me... I love to think of the Savior's life. And I always think of all the examples that the Savior has set for me in those moments, you know. And, and when I'm partaking of the, the bread and the water, I, I specifically think of baptism. Um, and when the Savior was baptized and that moment in time and then that leading into the crucifixion and the atonement and all, you know, in each of those those portions of the atonement um and how meaningful that is to me that he has set those examples and that's something i always try and constantly do and i always try and repent before so i'm not thinking of in that moment oh crap i forgot to repent of these things and I, i do find myself sometimes doing that in the middle of sacrament but i've realized that the spirit is just so much stronger when I sit there and I ponder his life and his examples and what he's done, then, oh, I forgot to repent for this. I need to, oh, also please forgive me for this and this <laughs> yeah. and this, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I just find it really powerful and mag- it just magnifies the spirit as I, I ponder his life. Yeah, I love that. I love that a lot. I don't know. So sacrament ever since having kids has kind of changed (laughs) a little bit for me. I feel like it's just, sometimes it's really good and the kids are quiet and other times I'm just wrestling and if I can get a moment just to sit and think for a second, then I am super grateful. Um, But I usually try to sit and think about the Savior. I'm not as good as Alex. Usually I'm sometimes repenting in the moment. But I usually I try to remember things on Saturday, but I think it just depends on what happened that week. Like this week, 
I got a little riled up at that state basketball and I said things that I should not have said. <laughs> <laughs> so I was definitely thinking all week of that thing. And I'm like, you know, I've, I got to repent of that one thing. And so today, even though I had a baby crawling under the chairs and my other little boy, I don't even know what he was doing, <laughs> trying to get into something. But yeah, seriously. he, I was able to take that moment to meditate and be like, please help me to be better. I will do better next year since technically basketball season's over. <laughs> um, but just trying to just take those moments to just meditate, to close my eyes and just deep breathe and really just kind of feel, um, feel the moment, feel like what's, let's try to focus on the prayers. And I try to say the prayers along with them um, so that I can really just try to focus on what is being said, even if it's just for those small moments when they're the prayers and we can get our two-year-old to fold his arms. Mm-hmm. Um so it's a little bit different now because of kids, but I can still find just those little moments. Even if it's just a couple seconds, I still try to find that so that I can make it special. Yeah. Awesome. And I know, I mean, I know we talked about this recently at a family dinner with Dalton, but I mean, I think the ultimate goal, right, is to get to a place where nothing around you matters, right? Where you're totally honed in, no matter if there's a baby screaming somewhere or you know, someone's crying or kicking your chair, which I think we've all experienced. (laughs) But just to be able to be, just have that laser sharp focus. You know, I heard a story one time where someone's mission president was sitting at the pulpit and, or sitting up on the stand, he was gonna give a talk and the missionary was down in the congregation. He was just watching his mission president and his mission president's wife went to go take the sacrament, the water, and it kind of spilled on her made like a little bit of a ruckus, you know? And he said he just watched his mission president and his mission, pre- and you know, she was kind of embarrassed about it and trying to pick it up and kind of clean. And and the mission president just had this laser focus. He didn't even blink. He didn't even turn, nothing. He was just totally focused on the savior and you know, nothing could have distracted him. And I mean, I think that ultimately that's the goal, right? For all of us to be able to get to that point where nothing could come between our thoughts with just where we are with the savior right thinking about what what did i do this week that maybe i should repent for or you know like alex said hopefully we have already had that conversation with ourselves before we actually get there so that we can focus but then on top of that like what am i not doing that i can be doing to invite the spirit in my life and how can i make sure that i set up this week to to actually be implementing those things right like this past week for me, I didn't read my scriptures every single day this week, and that's a goal that I have. So as I'm in sacrament, I'm thinking, what tangibly can I be doing this week to make sure that I actually make that happen, right? Because I don't want to in- just have no intention of actually being better. I'm, I want to make action plans, right, with my Savior and have him in the conversation, have that laser focus to make sure that this week I'm not going in with the intentions of, oh, you know, I'm probably not going to read my scriptures again this week. Like, I want to go in. If I'm taking the sacrament and I'm promising him that I'm going to keep all of his commandments, I want to set myself up to know, okay, this is what I'm going to do to try to keep all of his commandments. And obviously, we can't, right? We obviously fail, and it takes faith to take the sacrament in a way because we know we're not going to keep a promise, yet we're making that promise anyways. And luckily, that's the whole point of the atonement is we know we don't have to be perfect, but... I mean, I think for us, when it talks about full purpose of heart in there, I think that's what that means, right? Like to 
be fully engaged and do whatever it takes for us to at least try our very best to make sure that we don't sin or, you know, prepare action plans to make sure we are keeping the commandments. Totally. Alex? You know, something to piggyback off what Ashley was just saying was uh, she was sharing about that mission president being laser focused. I remember on my mission, and this was just one time, I'm not saying this is how Elder Holland handles every sacrament <laughs> meeting, but I, I just remember I was sitting there and Elder Holland actually came to our mission to speak and it was, he actually participated in sacrament meeting, which doesn't happen too often. And so I remember I was like, okay, I want to pay attention to how an apostle of the Lord uh, takes the sacrament. And I just remember him, he looked up into the heavens. That, that's all he did. He didn't look down. He didn't look anywhere other than he was looking into the heavens. And ever since then, you know, I've taken that to my heart and I look up and I imagine if I was in the presence of God and angels and everyone there to, you know, strengthen me in that moment. And I don't know, I've just found a lot of power in doing that because I also like turn to the talk of, uh, I can't remember, I think it was President Monson, but he said he would get, get on the elevator. Maybe it wasn't him, but he would get on, somebody would get on the elevator at the church office yeah, building yeah, and look down. Yeah, yeah, okay. And he'd look down and he'd be like, no, look look up, you yeah. know? That's where the Savior would want you to look. I don't know. And I've always turned to that for, for guidance when I'm partaking of the sacrament is I try and look up and think of my Father in Heaven in those moments. Thank you, guys. Uh, I love all that. Um, in the next chunk, I'll take it. It's Second Nephi 31, 17, 20, and verse 32. The Holy Ghost will show me what I should do. If baptism and confirmation are the gate by which we enter the straight and narrow path, excuse me, what do we do once we're on that path, on the path? That's what Nephi's people wondered. What answers did Nephi give in Second Nephi 31, 19 to 20, and chapter 32? What answers do you find for yourself? Um... I actually, this, that, nothing right away stands out to me except uh, verse 18. So 2 Nephi 31, 18 says, And then are ye in this straight and narrow path, which leads to eternal life. Yea, and ye have entered in by the gate. Ye have done according to the commandments of the Father and the Son, and ye have received the Holy Ghost, which witnesses of the Father and the Son, unto the fulfilling of the promise which ye have made, that if ye entered in by the way ye should receive. And I've been thinking a lot this week about the straight and narrow path. And I keep thinking about what that means for us and, and everything like that. And the, I, as I was thinking about it, like, because it says once you've entered baptism, then you're on the straight and narrow path. And I, I was just thinking about what, you know, at first I had really just focused in on path. Like, oh, we're on this path. So it's, you know, the imagery I had in my mind is like once you're baptized, it is there is a way before you it's the path that is set it's not like when you're out in the wilderness and you're you know alex and i went on that winter camp and like we had the path and then at one point we broke off the path and we were kind of just making our own trail and like that's very different than when you have a path when you have a set path it's really easy not to get lost and you could choose to get lost right or sometimes it might be a little tougher but you get what i'm saying right but then so I, as I was thinking about that and how the gospel is like that, when you're part of this church, it's a structure. There are things you could be part of. 
and it's a it's there are a lot of handholds right like uh, especially for newly baptized members where you're trying to figure things out and it's a it's its own culture there still you have ministers that help you um you know a bishopric and things like that right but then i started thinking more about what straight and narrow mean this the straight and narrow path part and that's when i thought of people who i know that have left the church and lex and i have been talking about someone in particular this week who we know has um you know had a tough time with the gospel they were members and then they were members and then they were members and uh and i was just thinking about something that how they kind of felt or maybe they still feel i don't know i don't know what they feel right but so in general then people can feel like being part of this church is restrictive and it's it's uh you know it's not for everyone which i don't believe is true but to me straight and narrow is saying like if you feel like once you've joined this church once you've been baptized and become a member if you feel ever like oh there's just so much i can't do well good like good because then you know you're on the right path it's the straight and narrow path and i think if you felt like you could do anything that doesn't sound like a straight and narrow path to me so i was just thinking of that imagery of like yeah, it can feel restrictive, but actually, if you think about it, this is the path to get you to God, which is full freedom. And the fastest. And the fastest, right? It's This is like the shortcut through life. Right. You know, we talk about shortcuts, and this is it. And so, um, I, I know that's kind of long, and I, maybe that I went all the way around, but that's what I was thinking of. So, when I, along that same path, um, that same thought. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> when he said that's what Nephi's people wondered what to do when they're on the path. And, and along the same lines, you just got to act. That's one of my biggest problems. I mean, just before here, I had these shoes and I can't decide between an eight or an eight and a half. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I am the worst person at making decisions. And I, it's like... That's true. And it's, it's little tedious stuff that it doesn't really matter. And like, I've received blessings that it's just like, the Lord just needs you to make a decision. <laughs> like, I, yeah, anyway. So I just thought, like, like, the Holy Ghost will show us what we need to do. But a lot of times, we just have to get going. We just have to start going on the path. And as we do that, the Holy Ghost can kind of guide us in directions, kind of, like, give us taps. Like, when you're... I don't know a lot about training horses, but I do know enough that when you're trying to lead them, you don't want to like sit and jerk the reins around or anything. You want to be able to tap them just lightly enough on the left that they'll go one side to the tap them on the left. They go on the left, and if you tap them a little bit on the right, oh, yeah, maybe it's backwards. <laughs> I can't think. Yeah, you tap them a little. Not horse people. Right. So a little. If you tap them on the left, they'll go on the right. If you tap them on the on the right, they'll go to the left. Okay. But it's not like a full jerk on either side to get them to go. Maybe it, maybe at first when you're training them, like I said. I don't really know a lot, but I know enough that it's like, that's where you want them. That's when you know you have a good horse. If you can barely just tap them just to go this way, just barely tap them to go that way, and they listen. And that's kind of what I feel like the Holy Ghost can do for us, is we just got to get moving, and he'll just kind of move us to the left and to the right, just to make sure that we keep going down where we're supposed to go. And honestly, like speaking about revelation and how God speaks to us, I feel like that is my life, right? Like Heavenly Father... And I think we all feel like this to some degree. Sometimes there are these miraculous moments, but Heavenly Father will barely tap the domino enough for everything to fall, right? Like, for example, I didn't know if I wanted to go on a mission or not when I was at BYU in in my freshman year. And, you know, I, I told my bishop, I said, Bishop, I just want a 
clear answer. Like this is, yeah. I feel like this is a big decision. This is 18 months, yeah, right? Sure. Where maybe I'm going to find my spouse instead if I don't go. Like yeah. this is a big decision for me and not as much of an obligation as it is for the men, right? Uh-huh. And because of that, like I just feel like God should give me an answer, <laughs> right? <laughs> like I'm entitled to something. And I mean, being the good bishop that he is, Bishop Hal's just kind of laughed and he pointed out the scripture in um, Ether 12, right? Where yeah. you don't receive a witness till after the trial of your faith, right? And I mean, again, like what you're saying, God lets us make decisions, right? And so I just, again, going off nothing, right? Not feeling any kind of full answer or prompting to go. I just, Felt like it would be a good idea and didn't see any negative that would come from it. So I went and it wasn't until 10 months into my mission that I received my answer that I first of all needed to go on a mission and why, right? And I mean, same with Mary and Alex. There were different things when like God just taps. (laughs) (laughs) That's a story from another another time, but it's true. But like he never has given me just this full-fledged answer that I can think of in my life. You know, like, I don't think I've ever been the person to have a lightning strike answer, but it's, and it's exactly what Lex said, right? Like he, he gives us the power to do it. And if it is wrong, he will tell you no. Right. But if you start moving and nothing's stopping you, then that's normally a good sign that he trusts us, right? For sure. If we had answers to everything in this life, where's the faith, right? That's true. That's, that's received, spot on. I've received a lot more no's than yeses. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I just think in one in particular with dating, like I got a blessing that was very much so like, stop dating this kid and move on. I was like, oh, I didn't listen. <laughs> and then I listened after the third, t- second or third time. I was like, okay, I better listen. And now it's Dalton. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and now <laughs> we're married. <laughs> Yeah. But I feel like because if I'm praying about something, if it's a no, I'm going to get a no. Yeah. If it's a yes, it's more of like, I don't really get anything. So I'm like, hey, I'm just going to go for it then. Yeah. Which almost seems counterintuitive, yeah. right? We yeah. would think that if it's right, God's going to give us the answer. And if it's wrong, he won't. Yeah. But it almost is opposite sometimes yeah. where if it is right, we're probably not going to receive any miraculous answer. And he just trusts us to do it. Yeah. Well, and I or love, there's no right or wrong. Well, and I love yeah. with Elder Holland gives that story about him and Matt, how they were driving, you know, and they go down the one path. They pray. They come to a fork in the road. They pray about it. They don't. It just sounds like, you know, go to the left. They, they fail go down to go the, the right way. Yeah. Yeah. They go all the way down this road, comes to a dead end, then they have to turn back around. And Matt's like, I don't get it. Well, we prayed about it and felt fine. Why? And, and Elder Holland says... Well, maybe God knew this was the fastest way to get our answer, right? Because what if they were driving the right way the whole time, but it's a long road and they're like, never the, whole, yeah, the whole time they're like nervous, right? And, yeah. and it's that feeling of uncertainty because then once they got their answer is peace. And so sometimes, right, I, I agree. Sometimes you don't get that, that yes, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a yes full steam. It just means keep going mm-hmm. so that you can have further light and knowledge that you need and then he'll tell you the no. Right. But the point is to... And then the other thing was uh, uh, with great grandpa's journal, uh, our great grandpa Pearson Ashenize, he he in his journal he writes of this experience being a teenager and how he was wanting to know the next steps for his life or whatever and he was sitting on his bed and he got down on his knees and I don't really know the like previous to this but it sounds like he had been waiting for a while for an answer and wasn't getting one and finally he heard this voice that said get up, 
do, do something, it, do, something do, do anything, anything, just make a start. Yeah, exactly. And that has stuck with me, like, ever since I read that, sticks with me all the time. Anytime I think, why am I not receiving an answer, I hear his voice in my head saying, do something, do anything, just make a start. And I'm like, that's right. God can't move. I mean, he can, but God doesn't usually move a parked car. You got to put it in drive and then he'll grab the spirit steering wheel. And so... I, I, I obviously, amen, because I think that's the point. You got to keep moving. You got to get moving and then just have faith that the Holy Ghost really will direct you. Um, Alexis, will you jump to the next, sec- the next chunk? Second Nephi 33, the Book of Mormon persuades all to believe in Christ. In Second Nephi 33, as Nephi concluded his writings, he explained reasons why he was writing in, that, that in, the, writing in the first place. What reasons do you find in this chapter? Reflect on what you've read so far in First Nephi one and two, First Nephi and Second Nephi, and notes you may have taken. How have the stories and teachings accomplished Nephi's purpose for you? Purposes for you. For example, how have they persuaded you to believe in Christ and to endure to the end? Consider recording these experiences or sharing them with a family member or friend. It is a. And I started playing the video on accident. My <laughs> Uh, shout out to Alex, by the way. He was part of that project. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but any thoughts there on that on that chunk? Um, I think to center everything that we've already said with like in chapter thirty three in Second Nephi, he says plainness a lot, and he glories in plainness. He glories in truth. He glories in in Jesus. I just I love how simple everything Nephi says. I love how he talks about the gospel and um, how he invites everybody to. To do these things. What he says in verse 10, he says, Hearken unto these words and believe in Christ. And if you believe not in words, believe in these words. Believe not in these words, believe in Christ. And if you shall believe in Christ, you will believe these words. For they are the words of Christ. And he hath given them unto me. And they shall teach all men that they should be good. So he just points everything back to Christ. Like if you don't believe it, I'll read these words. And then have faith in Christ. And like if you believe in Christ, you will know that these are Christ's words. So I just really love that direction of like, even if you're not quite there. Just have faith and just try believing and like you can get there. So it's kind of like his chapter here, what he says goes along with Alma 32 with like just plant the seed to see if it's good. So I just, I really like that. Awesome. Something, and to be honest, I don't know why this is what comes to mind in this section because there's nothing here that really says what I'm about to say. But I think just the question, why was he writing this in the first place? I remember as missionaries, one of our, I guess, our pitches, right, when mm-hmm. we're talking to people who weren't members of the church, is if if you're a mom, this book is for you. If you're a business person, if you're a salesman, this book is for you, right? If you're a teacher, if you're a scientist, whatever it is, plumber. right? Yeah, plumber. <laughs> Shout out to Past Chandler. <laughs> but honestly, like, whatever it is that you are or want to be, this book is for you, right? And right now I'm in a sales class at BYU as well. And like, I look at this, right? How, and it keeps saying the word persuades, right? How have, how is Nephi persuaded? And what tools does he use? I mean, sales is all about persuasion. Like, and totally. just being able to see how Nephi communicates, like that's teaching me how to be a better salesperson, yeah. right? And again, like as a mom, learning to 
persuade your kids to use the toilet, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which tonight we watched her wrestle with Flynn to <laughs> try to make happen, right, and persuade. But, like, that's exactly it. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what profession or background or talents you have. Like, this book is for you, and it's made to bring you closer to who you can be and, I mean, essentially closer to Christ, right? Like, it's teaching us how to be more like him, and he's the perfect all of those things, right? He's the perfect salesman, probably the perfect plumber, <laughs> right? I but genuinely. So. <laughs> but, I mean, just being able to to have a book to teach us, you know, why was he writing this? To help us be closer to Christ. And how do we be closer to Christ? Well, let's read it, right? Like, this is how. So, I don't know. Whatever you are, whatever you want to be, this book is for you. Yeah. And I... The one that st- the verse that stuck out to me in Second Nephi thirty three, it's uh it's verse four, and I don't read the full verse. It's just in the middle part that I like. It says, "For it persuadeth them to to do good." He's talking about his record, his book, right? And to me, if that line's true, that that and it does ring true, right? But people talk about how the Book of Mormon's evil and and all this stuff. I'm like. But it, the whole thing is persuading people to do good and be good. like Believe in Christ. Yeah, the yeah. whole book, right? Take care of other people and bear yeah. up their burdens. Love, and... repent. Yep. <laughs> like you could, you know, so I know people, like it's not necessarily, I think if you read it with full purpose of heart and then pray about it, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, it's a true book, which means the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the true church on earth, right? But even if it does, even if someone doesn't believe that and they just read it anyway, well, it's just a good book to read, right? Right. Like, it's not a so, bad plan. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, if nothing else, it's great stories about people that did good and did great things, and they did it in the name of God, and He helped them to do that. Right. right. It's um, it's just an awesome story. Even if the whole thing was a fake story, I mean, obviously, I believe it's real and it really happened. But even if it was fake. It's just an awesome fiction, you know. It's still teaches great human great principles. principles. Yeah, the right. whole book, and and so for me, Nephi nailed it on the head with what he was trying to do. Him, him trying to persuade it, he did it because to me, reading this book does persuade me to do good. And without this book, I wouldn't be as persuaded to try harder and to be better to do good things. So it's a huge influence in my life for the, for that purpose. So to me, Nephi nailed it. I mean, I should probably say something here, you know, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just joking. No, honestly, I, I think about it and I ponder it and it's kind of a compilation of everything that's been said, but really I love, the reason why I love the Book of Mormon so much is it applies perfectly to any point in my life and I find myself going back and looking at my notes from when I read First Nephi the first time to now, and I don't even see the same things that I saw then. But I know when I was reading it then, like it was testifying to my soul exactly to what I needed to hear at that point in, in time, you know? And that still rings to be true even now. I'll go through and I'll be, okay, what am I doing next in life? What am I... This is what my plan is. What does the Book of Mormon have to tell me about that? You know, it's truly living scripture that testifies to me of, you know, that the Spirit, that the Spirit of the Lord testifies to me of 
what is true and what is important to me at this time and how can it affect my life to help me understand why things are happening the way they are. And I love that. And I don't think any person on this earth could ever write something like that unless it was from our Savior, you know? And I don't know, it just truly testifies to me of the love that our Father in Heaven has for us and also um, His Son, Jesus Christ, both have for our lives. Awesome, Lex. I just want um, how he concludes 2 Nephi 33. I think you talked about it earlier in the lesson too. So I'm glad I like, came back around so I could um, comment on it. Um, it goes into um, Nephi, just who he was. He ends it by saying, For thus hath the Lord commanded me, and I must obey. I absolutely love that. I have that highlighted, so it's like the super deep yellow in, in this, <laughs> in the tools. Because I want it, that's something that I want to be. I want to be someone that the Lord commands me to do. I must obey. It's not just like I probably should obey it. It's, it's non-negotiable. Yeah. So I just, I love that. It's something that... Um, and I, I want to be like, and I love that Nephi points that out, just like the Lord commands it and I must obey and how he truly did that in his life with the ship, with moving across, the Lord commanded it and he did it. Well, not just that. I mean, if you go back to verse three, he didn't just do it. He loved it so much, this verse right here, but I, Nephi, having, have written what I have written and I esteem it as of great worth and especially unto my people. For I pray continually for them by day, and my eyes water my pillow by night because of them. And I cry unto God in faith, and I know that he will hear my cry. Like, this this is his everything, mm-hmm. right? Like, he must obey. He loves God. He His soul delights in God, right? He preaches nothing but Christ. We read all these verses throughout Nephi. And he loves it so much. He's praying continually for other people. His eyes are watering his pillow at night. He sobs, right? Cries into his pillow at night because of how much he loves this book and how much he understands just the pure joy that this book and the teachings, if applied, can actually bring to us. You got to love Nephi for that. Oh, yeah. Also, do they have pillows? Is that a thing? <laughs> Some nice cloth. I mean, it was me wonder. I'm like, what kind of pillows do they have? Are we talking about fluffy ones? Yeah, maybe that, that maybe they a, had purple pillows. I don't know. That could have been the closest translation nice to whatever they had at the good, time. Yeah. This pillow was the right yeah, word. It could be true. It could be true. Um, and then I was also going to, there's a random one, because there's a, a video associated with this, obviously because it accidentally got played. But, uh, hey, Alex. What is the game that the kids are playing in this video clip? Oh, it's actually, I remember the producer talking about it, and he said it. they made it up, actually, on the spot. Really? The, the kids <laughs> yeah. did or the No, the, no, the, the actors. The oh, actors really? did. Really? But it was a game that they just came up with. They just like drew the it. Stuff, yeah, right? and there's a few, if you, like, yeah, yeah, as yeah. you're watching. But, um, yeah, I, I don't remember this one specifically. I, I remember there's a ball, and they're playing with it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. There's also one on the beach where it's Lemuel and Lemuel, and they're yeah. drawing lines in the sand and they're throwing sticks. They yeah. they made that Just up because they were bored on set. And <laughs> they decided to film it. So there's nothing Not special awesome. about it, but it's the Lord's it looks game. Fun. <laughs> you, you heard it here first, everyone. <laughs> made it up on the spot. Those are actors. All right, let's move into the next uh, next section. Ideas for family scripture study and family home evening. We'll wrap this up. Uh, the first chunk, 2 Nephi 31, 5 to 13, it says, Are any family members preparing for baptism? For us, the answer is no, not right now, anyway. 
Uh, perhaps they could share why they decided to get baptized. According to Nephi's teachings, what are some reasons we should be baptized? And what are some of the blessings we receive when we are baptized? Anyone have anything on this? Not that we haven't covered already. Okay. Yeah. In second, the next son, Second Nephi thirty-one seventeen to twenty-one. How can you help your family understand Nephi's analogy about the straight and narrow path? And I feel like we covered that. For instance, you could work together to draw a picture of the path that Nephi described uh, in that part, and labeling it with things we must do to enter the path and continue forward on it. How does the Savior help us progress along the path? Um, anyone? Okay. Take your kids on a hike. Hey, there you go. <laughs> That's, honestly, that is actually a good idea. And good point out the path to him on the thing, yeah. yeah. The next chunk, uh, or yeah, ch chunk, 2 Nephi 3120, if you want to help your family better understand how we endure to the end, page 6 of Preach My Gospel has a helpful definition. So does Elder Del G. Renlin's message, Latter-day Saints, keep on trying. I feel like it needs to be read like that, dude. Latter-day Saints, keep on trying. <laughs> but uh, any, anyone on that? Preach my gospel is an awesome resource. Maybe I'll quote it a couple times today. Yep. It's true. And, so I, and this is weird because I remember, I don't remember who gave this talk, but it was a couple years ago. But they said, you know, preach my gospel was obviously a reference. for It's a, it's specifically for missionaries. Right. However, we should be using it in our families and stuff. And the other day I opened it up to prepare for this actually. And I was like, oh my gosh, I forget how much I love preach my gospel. Like my love for it came for sure because of the mission. But after the mission, it's so helpful, especially because we don't obviously don't have the same daily interactions with necessarily being missionaries. I mean, we should always be missionaries, but you know what I mean? It's not the full-time gig that we have now, and I still love it. It just, yeah. reading it, I was like, oh, I love that that book. It's, it's true. Awesome. No, and real quick too, Alex and I set a goal when we first got married to read it in the context of marriage, mm -hmm. right? So every time it says companion oh, like yeah, we just cool. replace it with spouse or whatever it is yeah, I like that. and it really has like the it just like the book of mormon every time you read it you find something new that applies to your life dude like we made a mission statement for our family when it talks about your mission statement as a missionary and how to study a study plan we put a study plan together just little things like that like it really is awesome any phase of your life with kids that's my next phase that i want to <laughs> yeah. do right go through it and have it with that context instead as a mom for anyways sure. i just Preach everything you guys are saying. Oh, I like it. I like it. <laughs> Preach my gospel. <laughs> um, the next chunk, 2 Nephi 32, 8 to 9. To help family members understand that we can pray always, you could make a list of circumstances in which we could pray or draw pictures to represent them. Then your family could sing a song that teaches you to pray, uh, teaches you about prayer. Um, such as, did you think to pray, replacing some of the words in the song with the words in, in their list? How does the Lord bless us when we pray always? Any thoughts there? We pray always. We're in constant communication with him. It's true. I, I think something that I've taken away from this recently was I was just listening to the face-to-face. -face. It was with Elder Holland, and I can't remember the other apostle who's with them right now. But it was um, it talked about praying always and how to be better at this and how to come to the Lord and ponder things like with the Lord. And something that was talked about or that really stood out to me was having a prayer in my heart always. So like anything I'm doing throughout the day, always keeping in mind, you know, Heavenly Father, what do you think about this? You know, mm -hmm. and then it, not so much my question to the Heavenly Father, but what his answer is, is what I'm trying to pay attention to more recently is, you know, what, what is the Father trying to tell me through all of these experiences? 
and I don't know. I just felt like I had a really cool experience with that at church today, and there was a, a lady sitting in front of us, and I I don't know where it came from, but I, the Spirit told me that I need to tell her that the Savior loves her, and um, I don't. It was just a cool experience. But in my head, I was like, there's no way I'm going up to this lady. She's probably <laughs> yeah. fully active and always comes to church. And you always feel gonna, silly like, being right, in that moment. Course. I don't know. It just it felt awkward. But yeah. I did it, and it was just a really cool experience. She, was, she lived Cheered right above us. And, and Yeah. I don't know. And, and that's not really what the was meaningful to me was her, her emotions. But being able to act on what the father's telling me and always having that prayer in my heart to know okay what is the next steps in these situations yeah well and who knows too it might be one of those things where i mean maybe it was like life-saving to her you know and maybe it was just something where it was almost more of a test for you like if you follow this small meaningless prompting yeah further right like the obedience that we're going back to exactly and i i I, you know because i've had stuff like that happen to me and i'm like was that Cause and, I, and then it comes off super awkward because I'm just right. a naturally awkward person. Feels uncomfortable to yeah. tell someone well, God loves you when, you when are it's just... O- yeah, when you actually are an awkward person, that makes it worse. <laughs> and then you go up and you're like, I'm just doing this because I have to do this. Right. God told me to, so right. I got to do it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only thing I had is, because I don't have a list of like stuff you can pray for, but I do have a list of people that I try, like, if ever I'm struggling with prayer, then I pull out my list of people of like, oh, been a while since i prayed for this person you know yeah um so yeah that's something i do in the final chunk second nephi 33 1 and 2 it says what might lead people to harden their hearts against the holy ghost or the holy spirit how can we make sure the holy ghost has place in us i think there are a lot of things especially today as satan makes things a lot more relevant and makes things feel like they're more blurry or gray area but like it's it can be really easy um but i think I don't know about you guys, but I can, whenever something happens, if someone calls me out for doing something wrong or something, I can, and I'm not humble about it, I really, I really feel my heart harden. Like, I feel like this is kind of like stop, like shut down kind of thing. So I think if we can learn to realize, like, in ourselves, how our heart hardens, right? that if we're able, if we're looking for those things, we can recognize it, we can say, okay, this just happened, how am I going to fix it? Because it's clearly something... I love this, that Nephi, one of the things that says, the guilty take the truth to be hard. Which is why anytime, like, with people leaving the church, they feel so defensive. Because they can't, like, yeah. You get, I think you get my point. Yeah. But right. I think we, we need to make sure that we recognize that happening and try to make sure that we fix it so that the Holy Ghost can have place in us. Yeah. Right. Sorry, I want to share something about this, actually. Go ahead. That, yeah. that kind of came up this past week. I'm going to give a shout out to Matt Townsend. If you haven't listened to him, you should. But he is a marriage therapy coach, basically. And he he talked about how he was just talking about how to deal with anxiety and uh, different problems in your life. And he was talking about how, how our emotions are so... Um, powerful in what we're doing and he and basically he was like you know we control those emotions and we control how we feel about those situations and that's what i just want to kind of reflect on on this point is 
you know, exactly what Lex was talking about is, you know, we're the ones choosing to harden our hearts. It's not the Lord hardening us. It, it's our choice. It's always our agency that lets us decide, okay, you know, I feel this way because of this, you know, and I, I'm choosing to, to make this choice in my life. And I don't know, every time I think of, you know, falling away or doing something, I have to, I know that it's my choice that I'm doing this because I want to, you know, but yeah, I'm not falling away from the church, but I am. (laughs) When I do get in those situations, I definitely turn to the Savior and know, all right, this is my choice that I'm making to turn to him for further light and knowledge on this, you know? Yeah. Amen. 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 (laughs) Well, that's all I got for this lesson. Anyone have anything additional they want to add before we close out? One last thing for me, because you can't get enough of me. That's right. Give it to me. (laughs) I just have to, you know, say we're definitely not perfect. I know what we're sharing in the stories that might come out of our mouths sound perfect. But I know as we've gone through these experiences and these different things, I just don't want anyone to feel that, you know, we're the perfect example. We're the perfect couple because, you know, we're doing these things. Well, you might not be. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> don't include me in that. You know, but I, I don't know. I'm I the just, humblest I person I can definitely here. feel when I listen to people just talk about the great things that are happening, I start to bring that down on myself and be like, oh, I'm not doing that, you know? Right. And I hope no one feels that as they listen to the stories that we're sharing. Um, and I just kind of wanted to share that here at the end of, you know, don't, if, if you're not doing any of these things, you're not a bad person, you know, and that there's always opportunities to grow and become better and be better. But, you know, honestly, what you're doing is enough. You know, we've always been taught just, you know, it's a little bit of faith, you know, it doesn't take faith enough to move that just that little ounce mustard, of, you know, mustard seed mustard seed mm-hmm. that's what I'm trying to say yeah. as long as you're on the you upward know, climb exactly yep. no matter what your slope is or whatever as long as you're yeah. going up yeah and anything anything worth doing is hard right if it's like you think about Quaden bringing that back around the state champ game last night yeah. right like if that gets handed to you easy it's not this big, big emotional moment. like holy sure. cow we just came through heck and back right and here we are out on top like in how proud we are of our hard work and sweat and tears right like i mean that's how the gospel should be for us it should be a constant wrestle you know these things shouldn't come easy and if it did it's it's probably not true right everything everything that's worth it is hard at times absolutely guys thanks for joining me really appreciate it and you were kind of forced (laughs) <laughs> but I really do we appreciate, appreciate it. it. My we arm has you. been cuffed to this couch for <laughs> the last 45 minutes. Oh, I, know how long we're here. I think I lost the key, too. That's <laughs> awkward. I guess you're sleeping here. But uh, as always, thank you guys for joining us, and, uh, and thank you guys for joining me and for inviting us into your family room. And we hope we can do this again and get you know these special guests back. We love it. And uh, as always, if you have any questions that you had from your studies or insights that you wanted to share, please share those with me. And I will see you guys next week. Thanks.